Hey everybody, Chris Fafalius here. If you enjoy One Hit Thunder, which I'm assuming you do considering you're listening to it right now, I want to tell you about another great music podcast on the Evergreen Podcast Network. It's called Riffs on Riffs. On this season of Riffs on Riffs, hosts Toby Braswell and Joe Watson are breaking down one iconic pop song each week. Everything from Taylor Swift's Cruel Summer to Journey's Don't Stop Believin' to Naughty by Nature's OPP. Each week, they crack open the song, trace its history, decode those cryptic lyrics, and unearth the hidden gems in its musical DNA. Not only do they dive into the song's history, lyrics, and impact, they also go down some fun and oftentimes hilarious rabbit holes. So yeah, if you're a fan of One Hit Thunder, I think you'll also enjoy Riffs on Riffs. So go hit that subscribe button on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Local H carved out a niche for themselves in the mid-90s, landing somewhere in between grunge and indie rock. The hypnotic single Bound for the Floor was a Gen X anthem, cleverly using the word copacetic to exhibit a feeling of dissatisfaction with life. This two-piece band made a lasting impression on this week's guest, Wells Main's own Spose, even if this particular single wasn't the reason why. One hit is all you need To make the money guaranteed And you can live off royalties Forever And it makes me wonder Is it just a wonder Or is it one hit thunder So Matt and Spose, I feel like you guys are messing with me with this pick this week because as you know, as Matt knows, I don't know if Spose knows, but... I've been a bassist for 65% of my life, and you guys are picking a band without a bassist. What's up with that? Why? (laughs) I think that it's awesome that there was a, what, almost a decade before the White Stripes made it fashionable, there was a two-piece band that had like specially built instruments to be able to play guitar and bass parts in in a live setting. Trying to make me <laughs> irrelevant. <laughs> Nobody needs a bassist. Come it's on. just for the looks. It's for the looks. <laughs> There's definitely bass in the song and in all their songs. So he had a special pickup on his guitar or something? That, yeah, okay. so, so his friend modified his guitar for an added bass pickup and a second output into the uh, soundboards. Oh, so it ran a whole separate output from the guitar. So the guitar has two quarter inches out. (laughs) Crazy. So I don't know. I'd have to see. I didn't see anything of like how this one, this two in one worked. But the song is 
pretty cool. I feel like this is one of those stretches calling it a hit. How big of a hit was this song, actually? Because I had to go back and listen to it. And believe me, this is from right in the wheelhouse of where I feel like I know most stuff. But I was like, yeah, I kind of remember this song. And it's definitely a strange song. But this was kind of a hit. Did it, was it a buzz clip or what? <laughs> I would, If was I was to clip. guess, and I've heard you guys reference this chart before on your Phantom Planet episode, uh-huh. at least, where you were talking about um, the modern rock airplay chart, sure. I would guess this was a, at least top 10 on that chart at one point. Yeah, it was top 10 on the modern rock slash alternative. It, it did well on the radio songs chart. This was the only time it appeared on radio songs, which was such a short-lived metric. Again, the more that I do the podcast, the more I find out about these like three to four-year billboard charts that they would have that like... Ultimately, I think just all became part of the Hot 100. So this song peaked. I forgot to actually write down where it peaked at, but it peaked on December 28th, uh, 1996. Uh, The number one song at the time was Don't Speak by No Doubt on the radio songs chart. So I think they were still in the top 10 on that specific chart. But the number one song in the world, or at least in the US on the Hot 100, was Tony Braxton with Unbreak My Heart. Okay. Which is a highly inferior song to the previous Tony Braxton single, You're Making Me High. Yeah. (laughs) It was a great era for Braxton. This this song is actually... uh, it's pretty cool. I So I went back and I started from the beginning. And yes, this band on that first album, Ham Fisted, I don't know if you guys are familiar with that one, they sound completely like Nirvana. Like it is yeah. 100% <laughs> a Nirvana thing. And then by the time this one came around, this song reminds me of like, geez, that Midwest indie rock with the dissonant chords and the staccato rhythms. Like... It kind of reminds me, I don't know if you guys know this band. I actually really like this band, Knapsack. Do you remember Knapsack from the 90s? No. I don't know them. They were a 120 minutes band. They they had, you'd always <laughs> see them on there. They I was a 120 minutes start, man. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like I, <laughs> I was all about 120 minutes at that time. They definitely had a song on there called Cellophane. They went on later to start a band. The main guy had a band called The Jealous Sound, I think, later on. Anyway... It's just this way more of like an indie rock sound than that first thing that sounded like Nirvana. Full disclosure about Local H, I had in that in this era a and it was probably a couple years later, maybe like two thousand or something, a down an MP3 recording of them doing a full Nirvana covers show. So clearly right. there was a they're fucking there was fans, a little bit of influence. You know, they're fans. Yeah. I love the I would almost say the audacity of the fact that this band like started as a four piece band of friends and then as members just quit, the two remaining dudes were like, fuck it, we're not even gonna replace them. We're just gonna keep going. I like that. <laughs> Can you imagine how many bands would have existed if every band could have done this? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what I like about this band. Now I did despite the the no bass player thing, which they didn't even have a live bass player? Well, no. Later, so I, I found some live videos. Yeah. Here's the difference, I will say. White Stripes, you see White Stripes live. 
it is just Jack and Meg. There is no like tomfoolery that's happening <laughs> behind the stage. Mm-hmm. I pulled like three different videos of Local H playing Bound to the Floor. And by the end of this song, there are five people on stage. <laughs> like they start off playing, okay. but then he needed like another guitarist to come out and play the riff so he could do the solo riff. And then like another vocalist came out to like harmonize on the screaming at the end of the song. And then they just got the fuck off the stage <laughs> and they went back to playing as a two piece. Gotcha. So. Well, yeah, they. I guess they had to bring some touring musicians to get that full sound uh, that they pulled off in the studio a little bit. But and also maybe that's a financial thing of you're just you're you're yeah. on the, you're you're on the charts and your label likes you, so you can afford a couple other guys on stage. <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm sure in 2023, if you see them live, it's just the two piece with no uh, flair. And it's less mouths to feed, right? Like, yeah. I mean, you, less you emotional gotta- men around right yeah for (laughs) sure and one thing i do like about this band first of all they they don't claim chicago as their hometown they claim zion illinois which is just a small town in illinois and that that is they're proud to be from this zion place which is a place where several of their other songs they reference fritz's corner is there because uh, Zion is a dry town, but Fritz's Corner is a bar just on the edge of town. So uh, I think that an entire album by them is about their hometown, but I don't think it's. Yeah, I don't well, think it's this even album. this even this song. I pulled a great quote from the song the the main dude who said that the song is just about hanging out in crappy bars that you don't like and working at jobs you don't like and just getting married too soon. It was like a song about how he perceived the people that he went to high school with after high school. Like they just got shitty jobs, got married too soon and wasted their evenings getting drunk in the bar because of it. Well, this uh, that Z- back to Zion for a second. Population 21,000 and the hometown of Different Strokes star Gary Coleman. Hey, oh, and yeah. <laughs> and local age, obviously. I, I, I really respect this concept of repping a town nobody's ever heard of in a way, because that right. was like my whole thing when I came out was yeah. like, oh, I'm from I'm not from Portland, Maine, which you've heard of. Right. Maybe I'm from Wells, yeah, Maine. And yeah. <laughs> and I and I would rep it like it was Brooklyn or Atlanta or L.A. or something be, almost because you, it just presents you as something unique, essentially. So it's like yeah. they're not to be lumped in with the pumpkins or cheap trick or whoever else you've ever heard of from Chicago, I guess is probably their intention. See, that's such a good, a good thought about that because you are by far the most famous person ever from Wells, Maine, right? (laughs) Or am I wrong? Hands down, bro. Yeah. (laughs) Although I do know this girl who's a author, who's a Sarah Knight and she um, is my friend's older sister from Wells and she is this author who, if you go to any airport, all her books about like not giving a fuck or like, you know, mm. get your shit together are all for sale in every. Oh, I know these books. Yeah, she's yeah. she's pretty <laughs> famous. I don't know. I might be number two. Oh, man. <laughs> Listen, I thought that I could easily take the title as, of most famous person from Aston, Pennsylvania by having like 15 podcasts. <laughs> and then my friend from high school had to go and become a pretty accomplished YA novel. novelist. So it's these authors, man. They low key. Yeah, I'm writing st- a book, man. Fuck music. <laughs> <laughs> we toured with that band, The Spill Canvas, and they are the most famous band or they've sold the most albums ever of anybody ever from South Dakota. (laughs) They're the biggest band of all time from South Dakota. If I could just give my reason for picking this song for this, uh, for this, because there was 
Every song, by the way, every song I could think of you guys had covered, except for Brand, <laughs> Brand Van 3000, which I brought up, that is another <laughs> song that I feel like deserves a whole episode someday, even though I know literally nothing about that band. Local H on my alt-rock station, 94.3 WCYY, that I listened to religiously growing up, and I have it tattooed on my leg. Wow. WCYY, and also was the first station to ever play my song that made you know got me a record deal. Uh, nice. They played... The first single from As Good As Dead by Local H, High Five and Motherfuckers, a lot. You have five and motherfuckers. 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 And that was like the number one song, like on the top five at five for weeks. And I couldn't wait to hear it because I was like 10. And it's like, you high five and mother like every day. And so I got to, it was just all these swears. It was just so exciting because there's so much swearing. And it didn't sound like Nirvana at that point, right? By this album, they sound kind of different. So I had heard that and I'd heard Eddie Vedder, the single, which I would, even just for somebody to make a song called Eddie Vedder at that point was very meta, you know? Yeah. It was like at, as Eddie Vedder was happening. It wasn't like in yeah. retrospect. Eddie Vedder was happening right then. <laughs> yeah, it'd be like naming it Doja Cat <laughs> right now. Yes. <laughs> right. The context of Bound for the Floor was like, oh, this is like the shittiest song by Local H that's been on the radio yet. <laughs> in my mind, I was like, all right, this one's all right. But like, I really liked those other ones. And I, I bought the album, and which was scandalous for me to have this, you know, with all the swearing and the explicit lyric sticker. And um, I was a I was a fan, but what really, really, really made me a fan of Local H, and I'm sure you guys have felt this a million times with bands where the song everybody knows is like, oh, that's not their best song, you know, like the Toadies, for example, you know, or like whatever, you know. What really made me a big fan of Local H was the album Pack Up the Cats, which came out a few years later. We've had this happen a couple times on this show, and the one that always jumps to my mind is when we did the American Hi-Fi episode. Local H is absolutely one of those bands where it is so worth checking out the albums they put out after they were famous because they just really refine their sound they also they had these like brief moments where they were getting recognized again because they did like a really great cover of toxic by britney spears that's right they did an awesome cover of chicago's 25 or or six to four like they they constantly were like flirting with being big yes (laughs) again but no pick up the cats i mean i wrote down the whole that whole thing is a wild story because that was like they they got a chance to do a follow-up album they do this album it's a concept album that was produced by queen's producer yeah roy thomas baker and then just as it was about to be released their record label went through a merger and it caused the album to just get delayed and then they just kind of dumped it like it was like ah does it say what the label was and what the merger was i think they were on island at the time right yeah well they were on polydor so polydor it was crazy they were part of so many mergers so Local H made a demo in 1994. Polydor heard it. They immediately signed Local H because of this demo. And then at that same moment, Polydor merged with Island. So then this album, you know, the album with Bound for the Floor, that's what the song's called. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that album came out on Polydor Island, I guess. But yeah, like Matt said, before this album that was produced by Roy Thomas Baker, pe- pack up the cats, right? 
That's yeah. the one with all the kids are right. Yeah. Uh, came out. Polydor then merged with Universal, and this merger was not good for Local H. Well, Local maybe H. you no. could speak yeah. to this experience too, but I, I mean, firsthand, I was on a label that, that not to say a merger happened, but a different ownership came in. Mm-hmm. And basically, when the staff who was yep. there for you and champion and signed you and, and care and, and gets you is gone. You're just a number. You're just, you just become a numerical value on the label. And, and the biggest story of this in, in my life anecdotally, isn't even me. It's um the band I grew up listening to. That was the biggest band ever from Maine. Uh, that was on that same radio station I'm talking about was uh, the rustic overtones, this incredible, like local band, this guy, Dave gutter, who's in my band now, is the lead singer songwriter and they signed to reprise records i want to say and then they got yeah bought or they merged with like tommy boy or something and all they end up in this in the room with you know clive davis and like who's like oh we're gonna make you guys bigger than you know and it was like either them or like you know in all these crazy scenarios but essentially when the guy who was their guy at the label leaves you're now just how many records did you sell? Okay, not enough. Fuck you, you know. Or and they had a yeah. they had an album they had made that was going to be this huge thing that they were going to put all this effort behind. And David Bowie's on it twice. I mean, this is like a this was like how who, David Bowie's done like twenty features ever, you know. And so right. he's like yeah. on their album, <laughs> and and uh, it was going to be this big thing. And then the you know the labels merge and you don't matter anymore. So I, I'm sure Local H could tell us like a hundred stories about that shit. The one that I heard that I, I was as someone who's not even remotely tied to the music industry. When I heard this story, I'm like, Oh, that's fucked up is before they were willing to work on a third album with local H Island asked them to do a showcase performance for right. the label that they were already signed to. Right. <laughs> and the dude was just like, yeah, we're not doing that. It'd be like, like if your wife's like, Hey, could you like win me over again? You know, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. Uh, The one thing I do want to shout out: Spin Magazine and the Chicago Tribune both ranked it as one of the best albums of that year. And we're talking like 1998. There's some great records coming out in the late 90s, and this was one of their top picks for the whole year. An album that got no promotion when it came out. That's the album with all the kids are right on it. Right, right? all the kids are right, which is a great like pop rock you know alt rock song but like that first song all right oh yeah which the literally the lyrics are all right oh yeah is like a banger but the offspring also yeah. got away with having huge hits where the the hook is yeah and so did nirvana so <laughs> did you guys watch the music video for all the kids are right no yeah. maybe i saw it back in the day you gotta watch it it's insane it is a video i don't know how they did this especially in the 90s now i maybe i would see with like technology a little bit more, but it is a video where they are the band, they are the bouncers, and they are the entire crowd. There's just like there's just like hundreds of those two guys moshing with each other in the crowd. It is a it's a wild music video. It's really good. I just looked at the clip on YouTube and yeah, I remember it now and that blew my mind. I remember it blowing my mind A, but like <laughs> knowing now like a little more about like music videos and production and that must have taken forever. Yeah. <laughs> to do. Yeah, it's it, it looks like a really they they put a lot of money into that video. I saw later on a video for them for a song called Innocence, like innocent plural, not innocence like the concept. Okay. Okay. And it's Michael Shannon 
is in it. Michael Shannon is the star of the music video, you know, star of Boardwalk Empire. And I don't know. He's been in a lot of things at this point. But uh, this makes me want to go find a podcast of local H talking because like, what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) Well, their their careers. I mean, it would mostly just be was it Scott Lucas? Because that dude just has been recycling through drummers for about 15 years. But (laughs) he's he's charging forward ahead. And I do appreciate as like a dude who just loved alternative radio so very much. The fact that this band's name is just the combination of two of their favorite uh, REM songs mashed together. Wow. Uh, I also appreciate they said the name came from Oddfellows Local 151 and Swan Swan H. They were just like, oh, let's just combine those two song titles into Local H. A band that could not sound less like REM if they tried, yeah, but I, I love it. <laughs> I So after all this went down with their major label experience and they continued, I mean, Scott Lucas anyway, continued releasing albums on indie labels since then. I saw in 2013, he was attacked and robbed after playing a show in Russia. And during the attack, he lost his voice and sustained damage to his vocal cords. So I don't know if he like got punched in the throat or was yelling or what happened, but eventually got his voice back, but he had to cancel a bunch of shows. But here's what I think is really crazy. And I watch, you can watch this on YouTube too. In 2017, Local H did five dates of a Metallica tour because they won a contest to get on that tour. I think it was like one of those fan voting type things. And (laughs) it was funny because I saw you could find this interview on YouTube. I don't think it was WGN, but it was one of those like local Chicago stations had Scott Lucas on. (laughs) And basically... Scott Lucas looks like a weathered, I don't mean that in a mean way, he just looks like a guy who's been in a band for 30 plus years, has really seen it all, very serious, just sitting there. And the guy interviewing him, it's just talking about like, so you you guys won this contest to open for Metallica, how are you feeling about it? It's just like, I think the guy interviewing him has no idea that the guy was in a band that was like on MTV in the nineties. Yeah. He's like, I'm sad. I'm kind of sad about it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I had to do a contest to go on tour for five days. (laughs) I mean, I kind of relate, you know, a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Me too. I mean, I've had to do, we've all had peaks and valleys and stuff, but I I just kind of felt for Scott Lucas sitting there with this like dork interviewing him on the news, just, you know, he could have asked him, a thousand questions about like you've had this like 30 plus year career you've like had peaks and valleys and you forged ahead and all this stuff he's just like so your fans voted and now you get to play are you excited to play and he's kind of like yeah it's cool like (laughs) it's gonna be fun he just did no research yeah (laughs) right apparently local h does have a very strong following even till this day they were they played the halftime show, the Bears Eagles wild card playoff game in 2019. I mean, it's kind of a big deal. Whoa. You know, that's like probably 60,000 people or something. I mean, I'd love to play an NFL playoff game. It's it's pretty wild. And I saw that they released in 2020, they released their album Lifers, uh, which was produced by Steve Albini and mixed by Jay Robbins. Whoa. Yeah, two legends were worked on this album. So I think it's pretty cool. Like the album's called Lifers. The dude is obviously a lifer. You know, I 
kind of think of myself that way. And a lot of people I know, I think of that way. Suppose, do you consider yourself a lifer at this point? I made a song called that like a month ago. Yeah. It's just like, uh, (laughs) well, because you at some point realize that you are a lifer, you know, it's like you, in a way at first, you kind of get caught up in like the, all right, I got to get this and I got to get, it's got to be, if I could just get back to, you know, and, and at some point you realize like, oh, I'm just here for life. You know, and so I I definitely relate to that. And and also it's absolutely insane that Steve Albini did their album in 2020. And I follow (laughs) I've followed Local H on Twitter for like a decade just as a fan. And they're always out slugging like touring. I don't know who else is in the band, but he's always out touring. And he did like a I think it was like a 20 year anniversary of some album or I forget what it was, but they're out there, man. There's, he's still trying. You got to love that. And I, I'd love to talk about the actual song bound to the floor for a couple seconds, because honestly the song, two big things. First of all, if someone's like, oh, I don't know this song, the quick answer is it's the song that has the word copacetic yes, in it. Yes, I was going to talk not... about that. <laughs> right. I think you that's why never... this song is popular. It's using <laughs> that word, copacetic. I think that's why, I think that's the main reason this song was like a semi-hit. Also using but it if you were to count 48 oh, times. Well, I was going to say, if you count the amount of words <laughs> in this song... It is so repetitious. There is, I'm willing to bet that there are about 30 words in the entire song that are just repeated over and over again. Because even the the first and second verse, which it's only two verses and a chorus, a lot, um, they're almost identical verses with like slight word changes. Like it's "Born to be down, learn to my lessons before now" is verse one, and verse two is "Born to be down." I think that I've said this before now. And then the second half of the verse is born to be down. I think you'd get used to it or born to be down. What good is confidence? And then the rest is just them repeating the just don't get it. Keep a copacetic. And you don't. Yeah, And you don't. (laughs) It's like it's hypnotic sounding almost. Yes. The rhythm and the dissonant chords. There's something that just puts you in a mood and keeps you there. You know, and I'm, I think that that's the point because even think about the music video. The music video are like those kids on that fucking playground yeah. thing that just spins around and around and around. Like it is this like I get what he's saying. Like lyrically, I don't totally get the like oh it's about like living in a crappy town, going to the same crappy bar, working a crappy job, and like getting married too soon. Like I don't get that from the lyrics, but I get it from the vibe of just like this is just this repetitious spot that you're stuck in and you can't escape it and credit where credits due, the vocal delivery is this song builds to the final part point where he is just screaming his fucking lungs out to close out the song like it is a for what is a very simplistic repetitive song it is so well structured yeah i think his voice is the the yeah. selling point of this band mm-hmm. <laughs> i think it really always has been is his voice is this not quite Kurt Cobain, almost slacker, more slacker, more regular guy, Kurt Cobain thing. And the, I mean, I do get the, you just don't get it. You keep it copacetic. You learn to accept it. You know, you're so pathetic as like, oh, I've just accepted this boring middle, you know, yeah. Zion life, you know. <laughs> this song is Gen X as hell. This, yeah. Right. This is yeah, very is. Gen X. One more thing that I wanted to note about this because I've heard, a lot of artists talk about this on, on on the podcast that I produce that at this era where they were 
signed, they had released that Ham Fisted album, the album that sounded like Nirvana. And they were touring with that band Tripping Daisy. You guys remember Tripping Daisy? Yeah. That became Polyphonic Spree. Whoa. Which is crazy. Yeah. Because That's what happens when you trip. I mean, it sounds like a natural yeah. progression. Of what... Yeah, right. <laughs> Damn. Um, but they were do they were touring with Tripping Daisy, but about six months into the touring cycle for that album, the label, Polydor, told them they got to get back in the studio because at that era, this doesn't happen anymore, but in that era, especially with major labels, they would develop bands. So you sold whatever. You sold 100,000 of this album. Okay, next album, we're going to sell 200,000. Now, it doesn't really happen anymore. Now it's like, you got your chance. Okay, that didn't hit. You're, you're gone. You and know, then that, you either, that's not the you way either falter entirely or you become some massive indie thing on your own, you know, using that catapult. Right. This song, this Bound to the Floor song, was one of the songs that was banned by Clear Channel after September 11th. And I feel like it just has to be the general vibe of the song because there's nothing in the lyrics that would it's make it It's got to just be the title. Yeah, Bound to the Floor, ba- I like, guess. Bound, like, like, it's, like people yeah. jumping out of buildings, crashing into the floor. Like, I don't Dude, know. they were picking. When you look at that list, some of the songs that they decided to ban, it's almost such a comedically insulting. It's a big stretch. <laughs> such I can't stretch. believe they banned Let the Bodies Hit the Floor. I mean, no, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Even that's a stretch. And every Rage Against the Machine song. That's like, yeah, if you look at the full list, it just says to... every Rage Against like we've got to get people of the sun out of here it might inspire (laughs) brown people if i could just conclude my thoughts on bound for the floor sure sure i don't like this song i don't know how it's like a i don't know how it's like this massive hit i understand the i like the when the chords kick in and it becomes the and you don't part but like even on the album i wouldn't skip to it you know, it's like the, I yeah. liked all it. Really, I picked it to come here and advocate for local H, the rest of local H's catalog, <laughs> um, because I think it's representative, especially as somebody who I only ever got to number 36 on the Billboard chart, but somebody who a lot of people only know for one specific thing that isn't truly representative of what they do. Although I think local right. H is, is you kind of get the taste that it is. All right. It's an alt rock band with a dude who has this, you know, cool voice and kind of downer lyrics but um you know i i i just this song never i never understood why this was like i was like the lyrics aren't that great <laughs> like the dan dan i was like i don't know man. i kind of understand though i kind of understand if you think about that era if you think about the slacker attitude of the 90s if you think about if you think about the way the characters on my so-called life act that yeah that is the the sound of this song the dissonant chords the whatever man sort of feeling i feel like this song really exhibits that and i've i've talked about this on this show a thousand times but 1994 to 1997 is possibly my favorite period of time on radio and it is not an accident that they got signed in 1994 because they're living in a post Kurt Cobain suicide world where every label is trying to find who's going to be the next Kurt Cobain and would sign bands that there was zero chance they would have ever signed under any other aspect so it shocks me very little that this was the single that they were pushing for exactly what Chris said great call this is the closest where it's like I don't know. This is close to a smells like teen spirit type vibe where the lyrics kind of make no sense. And it's a simplistic guitar riff, but it's got this angsty 
fuck the world type energy but, behind the word it. Copacetic just sounds angsty. Like, yeah. I don't even know if everyone knows what. Do you guys know what the definition I of I looked it up in is? whatever year it was. I like went and looked it up. It's <laughs> in excellent order, is the definition, which it'd be like. Uh, what what I, I, I looked at what the sample sentence was, but he said to tell you everything is copacetic, meaning in excellent order. Everything's everything's Everything all right. I would have thought maybe it means, yeah, I guess I would have assumed that's what it means in context. Yeah. Boring would have been kind of what I thought. Yeah, or like keeping it together. Like, yeah, you, you try to keep it together, but you know that it's it's falling apart or whatever. I mean, great job. I mean, copacetic rhyming with pathetic. I am all on board with bars, that. Bars. Bars. I mean, you make a great point, though, that like 94 to 96, the like aesthetic of like, ugh, like obviously loser by Beck. Um even mm-hmm. self-esteem by the offspring. All of Dookie. I was going to say, I'm brain farting on the song from Dookie where he's jerking yeah. off and he's in his house. Oh, yeah. Long View. Long view. Long You've view. got Long View. What about the movies? What about the movies? Think about what's the movie we always complain about, Matt, with Ben Stiller and Ethan Hawke? Oh, Reality Bites. Reality Bites. With the, yeah. worst, the, perfect, the worst ending the of like example. this guy who's been... Yeah, this this dude's been super supportive and has really helped my career, but he's a suit, so I want to get with the dude who's treated me like trash the entire movie. <laughs> the dude is just like, fuck the world. And it is crazy because that era only ended when we found something little more exciting, which was like the movie Go and like train spotting and like doing drugs yeah. and, list- and, and now doing techno version of the alt rock. Yeah. yeah great because yeah you're right like you hit 97 it's like prodigy comes out and all things considered a that prodigy album was getting played on a lot of alternative radio because it felt grungy in a weird way right. and the lyrics are in no way less whatever fuck the world attitude in the song well, an alternative rock radio which also was simul i mean it's i always try to explain mtv to like people who are younger i'm like you don't understand <laughs> Like MTV decided everything that was popular. Yeah. What celebrities were And it didn't translate to the charts. That's the craziest part about MTV. Like people get this tunnel vision. It's like the thing that gets us into fights on our Facebook page is people are like, how can you say blank is a one hit wonder? What about all of these videos? And I was like, no one was buying the singles for these songs. Right, right, (laughs) right. Yeah. Nirvana only had, what was it, Chris? We we looked. Nirvana had three songs that crossed off of modern rock radio into like mainstream. One of them was that. One of that was that the posthumous, uh, you you know you're right. You know you're you're right. right. Yeah. The live version of aneurysm. Yeah. It's like for a band that was so massive, like same thing with Weezer. The first song Weezer ever had to make it onto the Billboard Hot 100 was Beverly I was Hills. Beverly Hills oh, which is so stupid. Yeah, it's like- which is so stupid because it's like at that point <laughs> we've already been through the Blue Album, Pinkerton, and even Hashpipe and Island in the yeah. Sun. <laughs> but Buddy it, Holly was wild. such an iconic '90s MTV music video too. It was like computers came with it i forgot about that they did your computer if you got a computer a windows computer it came with just the only video on it 
is the Buddy Holly video. <laughs> what They pulled a U2. Why isn't everyone mad at Weezer right, about right. that? They're all mad I'm at Weezer. It's a way better video than the Songs of Innocence album was. I'm a U2 fan, and that album is true. You think if, you, if it would have been a better U2 album, people wouldn't have been so mad about it? it was, I think if it was like, hey, we're just going to download Joshua Tree yeah. on all of your phones, people would been like, all right, cool. <laughs> like, yeah. But it was like the worst album they've ever recorded instead. Uh, <laughs> but no, I mean, I, I think that... Most of the people who do this show and most of the people who listen to this show, we all kind of grew up in that same alternative rock bubble. So it it is hard to to like separate like what were we listening to that was specifically catered to us versus like what on a mainstream level was. And I remember when MCA died, I was talking to a friend who like exclusively listened to the radio. And they had just announced that the Beastie Boys were going to be put into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And in his perspective, he was like, they're just doing this because the one dude died. They literally haven't been relevant since, like, Sabotage. And I'm like, what about Intergalactic? What about, like, Body Moving? Like, all these songs. He had no clue what I was talking about. He's like, these never show up on any radio that I've ever listened to. Hmm. Right, And it's like that... That's that world that you have to think about is like, I always say, like, would my mom know these other songs? No. <laughs> like, well, what? I am happy to be in the safe space where we all know this weird niche shit that nobody else cared about. <laughs> but exactly. but it was, it's wild because like me, and I'm sure you had the same thing. You probably had a couple buddies. It was me and my buddy Zach B and my buddy Matt Sampson knew all this stuff. You know, and Zach right. yes. had the local H out. He had, he bought Pack Up the Cats. I heard it at his house. I was like, oh my God, I got to get Pack Up the Cats. Or he got, or, or the Beastie Boys, for example. Like, you know, there's like, the Beastie Boys were for me like an entry point to all rap music. But for some people, the Beastie Boys are like their only rap music. But a particular type of alternative white people, <laughs> you know. But yeah. for Zach B, for my buddy Zach B, it was Beasties for life. Everything Beasties, everything they ever put out, you know, he was down with. And Old Dirty Bastard, and that was pretty much it, you know? I got to tell you guys, I had on, there's a channel on, I think, Pluto, that just plays Portlandia on loop. And there was an episode that actually, I mean, it's funny as hell, but actually made me sad. Where, do you know Alfred Armisen plays the one character on there who's like the punk? I don't know yeah. if you yeah. guys watch Portlandia. But they he was going to get MTV back. And so on the episode... They bring back, they have Matt Pinfield's on it, Kurt Loader's on it, Tabitha, Sora, Tabitha Soren's on it, I think maybe one other from 90s VJ. Maybe Serena and they go to like, no, Yeah, I don't know I don't know who it was, Dan Cortez, I don't know who, who it was, but <laughs> they get the people together and they like go take over the studio and like, we're, 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 we're taking back, back MTV. <laughs> and, it, and it just kind of made me sad. I'm like, oh my God, that, that was so cool. That we had MTV, yeah. even when they played bad music, it was still cool. And then I was at a casino recently. And I, we stayed the night there. Me and a bunch of friends stayed there, and we had like a, a suite. And someone just put on MTV as like background noise, and it was just I, ridiculousness. I talk, it was only over and ridiculousness over and over and over on the loop. <laughs> and also on top of that, I was like, "This isn't funny." The, at least, <laughs> at least if this was funny, this is like. So it was it was less funny than America's ho- funniest home videos. It was like ridiculously unfunny. The magic of MTV was like it was really like you pulled the the lever not to take it to the casino, but it's like you pull the lever when you turn it on and you don't I mean you don't know what's next. You it could be right. I yeah. mean granted there were like segmented 
scheduled, you know, this is the rock hour, this is the rap MTV jams, this is the whatever. But like, you never knew what you were going to get. Although obviously it's all programmed and curated, but like, it was like, especially 120 minutes. It's like, I can't even tell you how yeah. many bands I found only and never saw again, only because I saw them on 120 minutes. And it's like, I don't know that there's music discovery like that in the swipe world, you know? No. Well, and, and I mean, there's there's a lot of stuff that bums me out about the, as as Chris knows, like the, the one person keeping every local's UCD shop still in operation. Like there, there is this loss of, you had to be overexposed to this stuff. Like, I think that if I had just, if someone sent me a Spotify link to Bound to the Floor by Local H and I just heard it that one time and then moved on, I would not remember anything about the song. But it was like, turning on the radio when like going to school and it would come on or like watching MTV and seeing that video. Like the fact that I did not look up the video before recording this episode, but I distinctly know what the video remember the like Mary, because like the spinning thing on yeah, the playground. Yeah. Yeah. It's like those things that just sit in your brain. And, and I do, I think that there's a loss to it. I, I think that we are really in a worse place, not having music videos be as important as they used to be because look at like what is arguably the best film of the last year with everything everywhere all at once like the daniels cut their teeth making music videos hey there's like there's value and i never i think when i was younger i was like oh this is just the force-fed stuff on you know yeah. what you're a punk and whatever but there's value to curation and there's value yes. to tastemakers <laughs> and it, you know, without them, we're, we kind of lose a lot. You know, Matt Pinfield, yeah. what a, I don't know. I have, I kind of think that he was part of the curation of that show. He is one of the most musically Gotta knowledgeable be. people in the world. And I, I think that there's real value in that. Like, we should all write a thank you letter to that guy for how many cool bands and artists he exposed us all to. And it's kind of, it's kind of sad. Like, get back to that Portlandia skit. I kind of feel like there's a chance that this the the younger generation of people, if they had the chance to see that, however they're they're exposed to it. I mean, even like when it got a little bit cheesy with like TRL and stuff like that, whatever, where it was a lot of boy bands and stuff, but some punk rock bands and stuff would break into there. There was you would still get those. I remember I watched TRL every single week because at that time, new metal was king. And it was exciting to see, like, is Corner Limp Biscuit going to knock Britney <laughs> Spears or the Backstreet Boys off the top spot? Like, it was right. like, let's see if this happens. Yeah, I, uh, this sounds <laughs> crazy now because they became, like, staples of TRL and the biggest thing in the world, you know, the Family Values Tour or whatever. But for Corn, the fucking band Corn from Life is Peachy to break <laughs> into the chart of the boy bands what felt like a rebellious moment it felt like this like oh we did like i remember yeah. i don't know how it like it was gathered that like we were all gonna vote for corn to get i i was told <laughs> yeah. we all need to do this to get corn and the, whoever fucking worked for whatever label that was interscope is a genius because yeah, yeah. i was fighting to get corn in the chart and then when it finally <laughs> happened i'm like what have we done <laughs> Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. 
Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, one-hit thunders. Thunderheads. Thunderbuns. All right. I'll just go with one-hit thunder listeners. This is Chris Demakes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake, and host of Chris Demakes, a podcast. A songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest, to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song that they have written. In our giant evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites such as Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurwitz, up-and-coming artists of today such as Liz Stokes of The Beths and Genesis Owusu, and even some of the artists that have been featured on One Hit Thunder. The show is even produced by One Hit Thunder host Chris Fafalius. What more could you possibly ask for? Krista Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you listen to podcasts, and new episodes come out every Monday. I guarantee you'll like it, or we'll give you your money back. This episode's great. We've really gone off the rails. Yes, I think we need we the have. side of local. Yes, it's just we're bound for the floor. I think, <laughs> yes, yes, bound for the floor. Uh, I I don't know. We'll start with you, Spose. Thunder or Blunder? I think we know your answer. Personally, Blunder? Uh, as far well, no, no, you're going oh. the whole band. Oh, the, the local whole H band. Is a Absolutely band. thunder. Absolutely thunder. Local <laughs> yeah. H is thunder. I was going to say bound for the floor specifically. You know, not my favorite local H song, but local H is thunder. Catalogs deep. I highly recommend you check it out. Same, same boat. I mean, I I have a couple local H albums. I don't regret any of the purchases. Uh, and it's just you again. Shout out to like not only actually we completely glazed over this and it is worth shouting out not only was this a two-piece band it was a multicultural two-piece band in a very white genre at the time like that alone like that's fucking progressive without even attempting to be progressive that was just like he's the drummer that i like playing with you know what i mean like that's fucking dope but yeah their music's great check them out even if you don't like Bound on the Floor, Spose is a shining example that you can en- you can enjoy the rest of their back catalog. It's a bad song. <laughs> I would say that I wasn't too familiar with Local H, but I got mad respect for a fellow lifer. You know, like that <laughs> just the dude just kept it going. He had his 90s moment, but then kept plowing along to the point where I referenced that which once again you can watch on YouTube. I referenced that Metallica contest they won. But they did win a fan voted thing that I'm sure I'm sure there were a thousand bands trying to get on that. And that just says something to the popularity of local H, even if they're not on some major label anymore, even if they're not on the, you know, on rock radio or on TV or anything that they've been, they, he, Scott Lucas, I think we, we could say he uh, was able to maintain a career and maintain a fan base and i think that's all any of us be it spose punchline many of the artists we talk about on this show that's all we can ask is to be able to maintain a fan base and nurture that fan base and have a music career you know i think that's pretty awesome 
And speaking of being a lifer, before we sign off, suppose I feel like every time I check your website, you've dropped like three more albums. What have you been? <laughs> what have you been up to uh, as a as a true lifer that's just constantly creating content? The last album I dropped is this double, you know, my big double album, you know, jewel case like Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness, my big tribute to. <laughs> essentially 10, 11 year old me and all the music we're talking about. And I finally went to the, the kind of alt rock, you know, all the different genres of alt rock that I've always wanted to tap into on the first disc. And on the second disc, I become Spose the rapper. And then I struggle with that, you know, and eventually, so, so that was my big concept album. I put that out last year and still proud of that. But um, since then, just life happened, and my the building my studio has been in for the past ten years got condemned, and oh. so I had to find something to entertain me. So I started teaching myself to paint. Um, nice. And I, not to my own horn, got pretty fucking good. And uh, now I really like painting too. But I've been making um, been making a bunch of music, been playing a lot of guitar, and kind of trying to remove a lot of pressure from myself that I've always had where I feel like, Oh, you got to put this out. You got to put out another album. You got to go on tour. You got to do this. Whereas in reality, like thankfully my catalog kind of pays the bills. Uh, and so I'm trying to like stop stressing and kind of chill and see what do happens. It, do it when you're inspired to do it. Right. With, instead of feeling pressured to do it. That's, that's the ultimate. Yeah. To do it when you're inspired. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah, man. All right. But, uh, well, yeah, go check out more Spos if uh, this is your first exposure hey. to him. Uh, <laughs> yeah, go find me on Spotify or YouTube or whatever. Don't follow me on Twitter because I just say crazy stuff and it doesn't play my music. <laughs> Are we recording? I was six years old in kindergarten when my parents got divorced. It was the first time I heard the C word standing there on the porch. And then we all went back inside. We turned the radio way up high. We were hoping for some better times. Kurt Cobain said, whatever, never mind. We were listening to the... I was this has been One Hit Thunder. One Hit Thunder is hosted by Chris Fafalios of the bands Punchline, Pack, and Another Cheetah and produced by Matt Kelly of Geekscape.net. Underneath me, you're hearing alternative radio by this week's guest, Spose. You can buy any of his albums at sposemusic.com. We're on Patreon now. Become a patron and get bonus content, early episodes, and a chance to vote on future episodes at patreon.com backslash OHT podcast. Do you want to start a podcast? Contact Chris and myself at weknowpodcasting.com for how we can make your show sound as professional as possible. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting app. And tune in next week for more One Hit Thunder. Girlfriend, we were in love. I mean, we never really spoke to one another, but we wrote each other notes and stuff. After school, she handed me one. It said, we're done, and it broke my world. On the school bus, I heard a Weezer song. It said, God damn, you have Japanese. Girl, she wasn't Japanese, but still. 15 years old, getting drunk at my homeboy, Zach B's. We were quite fucked up off absolute vodka, and we listening to the Pixies. Later on, I was vomiting. That's when his mom walked in. I got grounded for quite a long time. I would do little hungover. Where is my mind? But the.
to the Geekscape Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, you. Do you have any plans this year? Ha! <laughs> How's that going? Did you get 2020? Well, welcome to a brand new podcast called 2020, where myself, Benny Goodman, and my good friends, Corey Pazin and Siobhan Cronin from the band Lost Symphony, also got 2020. And since the world ended this year, we decided why not just check in with some of our friends in the music industry and see how everyone's doing. We're going to get a candid look at life on and off the stage, as well as the mindset of some of the most successful people in the entertainment industry. New episodes drop every Sunday and Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. And you can listen at Tuesday. 020-D.com, soundtalentmedia.com, or on your favorite podcast app.